Listen, this will not be the last time I say this. This will not be the last time I say this. Don't ever stop following your dreams. Don't ever stop following your purpose. Everybody in this world has a purpose to live in this life. Do not be stagnant in your position. Don't stay as a rookie. You got to elevate yourself to become the king of the board and to find your queen. And we have to figure everything out day by day. When people are saying that you're not worth it, it's a lie. Don't let people put you down because they're mad because they're not where you are. You have to watch out for the ones who are in your circle who are not supposed to be in your circle. Now, if you want a better understanding on how to live a better lifestyle to change yourself for the better, get ready to get on this sprinter with me and we're going to travel through this month of July and make it a world a better place. And what you need to realize is everybody has the same 24 hours. It's up to you to use it correctly. And you want this and that. You got to work for this or that. Do not let nobody shun you away. And make it seem as if you're not greater than. You will be the best. You are your only competition. Nobody. You're not competing with nobody else but yourself. You look yourself in the mirror. And let them know. You got a dog in you. There's a dog in everyone. Do not let nobody shun you away from your purpose. Now, with my podcast, each month I talk about different topics. Season three, we're going to talk about more about mental health, talk about having a loyal circle. Talk about entrepreneurship, creating your purpose, and shunning away the hatred that is around you. And yes, I know there's other podcasts that are out there, but my podcast is something different. My podcast is to bring focus to the things that are not being talked about. Whereas I speak on mental health. I speak on the traumas, the challenges, the trials and tribulations that no one wants to speak on. The news nobody wants to cover. Like, I'm not no TMZ. I'm not no CBS. I'm not no NBC. I speak on what's real. So if you're ready to go down this road with me, take this trip, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast, and have a blessed day. Hello, everyone. How are we doing today? Keandre Walker is in the building. And what's the first thing on the docket? A DoorDash driver. Curses at a Texas woman over a $5 tip for a pizza.
$5 tip. She might have got that pizza from Papa John's, Pizza Hut, Domino's, any pizza restaurant. You mad at a $5 tip for a pizza? And then you pull up to her house. And you decide to say F you when she says you're welcome. A $5 tip for a pizza is fine. Any tip that is $5 or more is, is A-okay in my book. Anything below 5 you do not pick that order up if you are door dashing. If you are door dashing and the people are not really wanting to tip, you don't pick those orders up. Because I can tell, I don't have to see the people. I can tell when they are, if they're going to tip or not, based on what they order. Based on what they order. This video garnished over 160,000 comments, which many expressed support for the woman and others argued the intricacy of tipping decorum. And somebody said $5 is fine because it is. Um, one commenter claiming to be a former DoorDash delivery driver called the tip correct. $5 for a pizza is a good tip. That's a good Abraham Lincoln. Another noted that the company should be paying its drivers more to lessen the burden on customers. I'm going to let you in on something. The people who do DoorDash don't work for the companies that these customers get food from. These are independent contractors. DoorDashers are independent contractors. None of them work for any of these companies. They don't work for McDonald's, Burger King, Jack in the Box, Rallies, Checkers, White Castle, Moe's, Wingstop, Chipotle. We don't work for none of them. We work for ourselves. So DoorDashers' money is in the tip. Plus, whatever the customer ordered. And based on the mileage that's being used to go from the place where they got the food to where the customer lives. And so, Percival's video has since been featured on Fox News and she has posted subsequent footage of an, another interaction with a delivery driver, albeit a much warmer one. This was the same day as the pizza incident. Percival captioned a, 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 a subsequent video. I have worked in the service industry for over 10 years. I do tip very well, but also tip on my interaction with the dashers. You have to make sure your interactions with the customer while you're getting their food is heartwarming. You have to be friendly with your customer who you are making sure that their food is correct. Correct. And DoorDash has fired the driver from the original video. And another thing, DoorDash can fire you. Fire you. I have never in my life been through any turmoil doing DoorDash. DoorDash has made me so much money for myself in the five years I did it. Money was in the bag. Respectfully asking for a tip is acceptable, but abusing or, or harassing someone is never acceptable. In the five years of doing DoorDash, I've never had to ask for a tip. 
It just if it if it's for me, it's for me. Our rules exist to help ensure everyone who uses our platform, dashers, customers, merchants, have a safe and enjoyable experience. We expect everyone to treat others with respect and we will enforce our rules fairly and consistently. Where do you end the stand in the digital tipping war? Plenty of links, plenty of ink has been spilled on the subject of tip fatigue and tip creep, a term of the widening ubiquity of tip prompts in day-to-day transactions. Consumer financial services company Bank Rate released a report in June that found two-thirds of Americans now harbor a negative view about tipping in general. I guess I'm not on that side of the spectrum because the tip for me, I can show you receipts on the money I have made during DoorDash. And I've got more thumbs up than thumbs down. Like, when I would do DoorDash, I would love to brighten up someone's day. Get, put a smile on their face. Tell them a joke. Um, now... Now let's let's we got to go over to this one. This is a nice one. The next one. This man was raised by a single mom with nine siblings. He now owns twelve McDonald restaurants. This man started from the bottom. Now we here. Robert Piles, a successful entrepreneur that owns 12 McDonald's franchises in Wisconsin would have never thought that he would be as successful as he is now when he was a child growing up with nine siblings being raised by a single mother. But now he is one of the largest African-American employers in Wisconsin and he is using his past experiences as his motivation. Started he, this man started from the bottom. Piles started in the service industry as a part-time employee at a McDonald's in Wyoming to earn extra income while serving at the Air Force. Since then, he realized that he loves serving customers, and that's what he wanted to do. He completed a McDonald's ownership training program within two and a half years. He then took the opportunity to open a McDonald's location in Milwaukee. As suggested by the former CEO of McDonald's Corporation, Don Thompson, he opened his first McDonald's on February 14, 1998. I was four years old, my boy. He admitted that it wasn't easy at first with all the demands of fast service, but stopping isn't one of his options. I told myself, never let him see you sweat. I knew I had to hold true to where I believed. This is what I talk about, that when you're an entrepreneur and you're always trying to see how you're going to make something happen, Piles made something happen for himself. He made something happen. He prepared his growth. He paid close attention to profitability saying that you can have less stores and be more profitable. He said his goal wasn't necessarily to keep adding stores. I wanted to create a training center environment to let people see that an African-American operator can operate at a certain level. With about 45 employees in each location, he employed over 600 people all in all. Aside from providing shop, from providing jobs to the community, he wanted to ease the burden of his employees in finding affordable housing near work. So he partnered with a friend who has a construction business and started Magnolia Realty, wherein they purchased foreclosed properties near his McDonald's stores, 
rebuild it and sell it to them at a reasonable price. This man not only owns a plethora of McDonald's stores, he he helped the people that work for him have houses. Have houses. Inspiring others from his rough childhood as one of the nine children raised by a single mother, Powell now lives comfortably with his wife and three children who work with him in the business. He wants to inspire others to achieve what he has achieved as well. I think it's really important to be both visible and accessible in the community, he said. It's not enough for me alone to be successful. My goal is to help others get approved for McDonald's ownership. I started with my wife because there's no inherited ownership in the event that an owner passes away. Now I'm working on getting others approved. So he got approved. This dude they got approved is trying to get everybody that works for him approved. This, that's, this is called growth. Building wealth into the community. Wow. 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 That's crazy. Mm-mm-mm. That is crazy. And then we have this, um, the third topic. Woman has an epic meltdown over not real passenger on American Airlines flight. I'm getting the F off. I'm going to tell you one. I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm not going to act like I believe in this. But she might have had a meltdown. Mental health plays in this. And she might have seen something that nobody else saw. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Because she calls the scene. And she saw something that not everybody saw. But she might have went through a she might have went through something. So that's all I got. That's it for today. Have a good one. Peace. Hello everyone. What's good? What's going on? Keys Knows Best Podcast, where we talk about five different topics that has gone on in July. The first one to talk about is a parent flipped out, beat their son at a gaming cafe for spending $45,000 of real money in the video game. 45000 Before I even get to explaining what's going on, I'm going to tell you straight up that in the near future, if I had a child and they thought that they were going to spend 45000 that's not going down. That is not going down. I'm going to stick to buying the game cards. I'm going to stick to buying the game cards. I would never place my actual card on the game system, the computer system, anywhere. I would rather put the cash app card and disconnect my bank from the cash app. Oh, oh my goodness, this is crazy. So, here it goes. So, a child, so the children today simply don't understand the value of the dollar. 
Children today simply don't understand the value of the dollar. <laughs> that is true. Like some of these kids of the generation, what happened? I think there was a disconnect in the value of the dollar. Because with millennials, we all understand the value of the dollar. Generation Z, on the other, on the other hand, don't understand the value. The way the way that generations before them did, as a result, today's young people don't appreciate what hard work for a dollar actually is. That said, children are more brazen about wasting their money on whims. Not only do children waste money on needless products, like materialistic things, uh, expensive, expensive clothing like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, um, Celine Dion, Giuseppe's, all that is null and void. Because once you leave this earth, it stays here. You leave forever. So, but they also waste them virtually in their video games. I'm tell you something. I got so many apps on my phone, game-wise. I have never spent a dime on a video game on my phone. Not one. Clash of Clans, I've never spent money. I built it from the ground up. Every game I play on my phone is built from the ground up. I don't spend a dime. <laughs> and this kid's parents, and this kid's parents came to find him and took care of him while he was still playing the video game, right? And especially in today's economy, $45,000 is hard to come by. That's $45,000 spent is more than what people make in a year. The average family, not even counting individuals, barely have $4,500 in the bank let alone 45000 given the cost of living and other expenses. Most people don't have the chance to make that much money. Even those who do have that kind of money treat 45000 as an emergency fund. However, this child treated 45000 like it was disposable income. Like... Does this parent, does this kid's parents got seven figure pockets? As a result, his parents came into the gaming cafe, gave him a lesson about how life works. That's crazy. That's crazy. It took for him to, it took for him or her to spend 45000 to get a life lesson when he or she should have got it. He or she should have got this lesson as they were growing up. While a parent's love for a child supersedes all, a child wasting 45,000 real dollars in a video game will push that limit. For one family, this actually happened and the parents did the only thing they could. Their son, was at a gaming cafe playing one of the games. Apparently, the kid's parents' banking info was connected to the game. That's the red flag. Why would you connect your actual bank to the game? You never do that. You never do that. You go to Walmart. You go buy the game cards and use the card for the income. You never attach your actual card, your actual bank. And while playing, the kids spend 45000 
of actual money in the game. What did he what did he buy in this game? What game was he playing for it to equal up to forty five thousand? Clearly the parents were alerted. Man, I would be alerted if a dollar came off the card. I'm like, oh, 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 wait, what's going on? Where did the money go to? To where their child was playing and disciplined right there on the spot in front of everyone. Man, I tell you what. I tell you what. I know what to do or not to do in this situation. Do you? Do you? That's what I want to know. That's all I want to know. You know? Let's go off into the next topic. The next topic. And sorry if you catch me yawning. You know, I'm kind of tired, but I'm going to get through this as we go along. So, the second topic. Randy Cox who was paralyzed in a police van, this man hit him for 45 million in New Haven, Connecticut. Randy Cox, a black man, was paralyzed from the chest down in a police van. When the police van he was braked, he was in, braked hard, sending him head first into a metal partition while his hands were cuffed behind his back. So, the New Haven, Connecticut has agreed to a hmm, to a 45 million settlement with Randy Cox, who was paralyzed while being transported handcuffed and without a seatbelt in the back of a police van. Wait a minute. So, the same police who tells us to put our seatbelts on forgot to put the seatbelt on Randy Cock? That's crazy. And without a seatbelt in the back of a police van following his arrest last year. Mm-hmm. So, wait. This was repetitive? So they had the the police had the time to before this happened to put a seatbelt in the police van, but nah, they was like, nah, we don't need it. But they tell us to buckle our seatbelts. Okay, all right. The agreement was reached Friday evening, following a day long conference with a federal magistrate judge. Mayor Justin Elicker said it came two days after the city fired two police officers whose authorities said treated cock recklessly and, and without compassion. This is what happens when you hire the wrong cops. You don't hire these type of police. You need to hire the police who want to show a good heart in humanity. The city's mistake has been well documented. A statement by attorneys Ben Crump, Louis Ubano, and R.J. Weber, who represented Cox, said, but today is a moment to look to the future so New Haven residents can have confidence in their city and their police department. And this is the reason in all the states, all the countries, the police department is not looked at as being safe. Um, so he was left paralyzed from the chest down June 19th, 2022. This was last year of last month when the police van, he was riding in, braked hard, sending him head first. And he was arrested on charges of threatening a woman with a gun, which were later dismissed. First of all, why was Randy doing that? Why was Randy 
threatening a, a woman with a gun. What you? What we doing out here, Randy? The stuff happening to Randy dismissed his previous charges. He said, I can't move. He said, I'm going to die like this. Please, please help me. Cox said minutes after the crash, according to police video, once at the police station, officers mocked Cox and accused him of being drunk and faking his injuries, according to the surveillance and body-worn camera footage. How are y'all police and don't know? Y'all are being recorded every second of, as you're working. And you thinking that he's faking his injuries? Y'all wrecked the vehicle. Y'all accuse him of being drunk. But y'all knew he wasn't drunk when y'all handcuffed him in the vehicle. And then y'all got body-worn camera footage showing the disgust of how you're choosing to treat this gentleman. So, five officers, including those who were fired, face criminal charges in the case. All have pleaded not guilty. Cox last year sued the officers in the city for $100 million. So, you telling me, Randy Cox only did not just hit y'all for $45 million. He hit y'all for another $100 million. The first time. His attorneys called the settlement the largest ever in a police misconduct case. Randy Hitchoff for two misconduct cases for $145 million? Am I working wrong? Cox did not plan to make any public comments over the weekend, Rubano said. He kind of relived what happened to him throughout the day yesterday. So, it was an emotional day, a very emotional day. The attorney said by phone, he's unwinding now. The case drew outrage from civil rights activists, advocates like the, in, like the NAACP, along with comparisons to the Freddie Gray case in Baltimore, Cock is black. While all five officers who were arrested are black or Hispanic. This is even crazy. The cops who were uh, who were arrested, who got him in detainment, were black. And they belittled him. And Gray who also was black, died in 2015 after he suffered a spinal injury while handcuffed and shackled in a city police van. These policemen be driving back crazy. New Haven police have since adopted reforms that include making sure all prisoners wear seatbelts. The state Senate on June 5th gave final approval to a legislation that would Require seatbelts for all prisoners being transported. So, the regular citizens who wear seatbelts on a daily basis, then all of a sudden, the police who pulls he or she over, they place them in the back and they don't put the seatbelts on? That's kind of shady. So, Randy, so Randy, Entered a police transport vehicle, being able to walk, and now he's not able to walk? How is he getting into the vehicle while walking? He comes out not walking. That is baffling. And so, what I shared with her is that while his this settlement cannot bring Randy back to his original state, when he entered that police transport vehicle... That my hope is that it provides Randy the future medical support and other support that he will need, Elicker said. Randy is 36 years old and we hope he has a long life ahead of him with the kind of support and care that he deserves. 
Y'all should have treated him with respect. But I digress. I digress. Now off to the next topic. Here we have six people shot in parking lot outside Houston Club. So police in Houston say six people were shot and injured after someone opened fire in a crowded parking lot outside of a club in Houston early Sunday. Listen, this is why I can't really see myself trying to make like friends. Because these people in these uh, in these different cities is different. <laughs> you look wrong at somebody, they gonna think you after them. Like you want something from them. They crazy. They out here being crazy. The police chief Troy Finner said officers found six people shot following a disturbance inside the club that spilled out into the parking lot. Finner said one of the six, six victims is in critical condition and underwent emergency surgery. Mm. The victim's prognosis was uncertain. The other five victims are expected to survive. No suspects have been arrested. Finner says surveillance video taken at the scene would be reviewed as part of the investigation. Listen. That's what I'm saying. You got to stay clear of the negative energy. If I go into a room, I read the room. If the room ain't read right, I'm not talking to nobody in that room. If you spewing out negativity, if you gossiping, you just got to better yourself. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Let's do the last one. The last one. This happened in Australia. A driver charged after a bus carrying wedding guests in Australia rolls over, killing 10 and injuring 25. That's a total of 35 people. You killed 10 of them. You injured the 25. So there is 10 families Losing loved ones. Ten families. This wasn't your regular bus. This was a... This was a... A big one. So, the police inspects a bus in its side near the town of Greta. Following a crash in the Hunter Valley, north of Sydney, Australia. Monday, June 12th of 2023. The bus carrying wedding guests rode over on a foggy night in, in Australia's wine country, killing and injuring multiple people. <clears throat> this is crazy. So the driver of a bus was charged Monday after the vehicle carrying wedding guests rolled over. So, so now this is, this is the nation's most deadly road accident in almost 30 years. Brett Button has been in custody since the accident Sunday night and will appear in court on Tuesday on multiple charges of dangerous and negligent driving, a police statement said. It was Australia's most deadly road accident since 1994 when a bus, when a bus skidded on its side across a highway and down a steep embankment in Brisbane, killing 12 people and injuring 38. This is, this is a sad day. So, somebody said the fog was terrible. If you know the fog is terrible, they tell you what you should do when it's fog. You pull over to the side. You wait until the fog disperses. You don't you don't just keep on driving. You can't see, you stop. Now, 
a motorist who drove past a crash scene identified by Australian Broadcasting Corp only as Allison said the fog was so heavy she could not make out the colors of the flashing lights of police cars. If you can't make out the lights of certain things, pull over to the side. You don't need to be driving. You need to stay inside. Stay inside. And the police commissioner, Karen Webb, said investigators have not yet determined what caused the bus to roll on its side. Hey, this is this is crazy. My name, I'm your host, Keandre, Keys Knows Best Podcast, Episode 3. Have a good day. Have a blessed day. I'm gone. Hello, everyone. How you doing? Keandre Walker. I'm your host, Keys Knows Best Podcast. And let's talk politics. Let's talk about the things that the media doesn't want to show you. Doesn't want to show you. (laughs) So, the title of this article states, They chose bankruptcy. 340 companies follow. There's 340 companies that are in bankrupt. In bankrupt. Why... Diebos chose bankruptcy and many more may follow. What's going on in this society? So, at 2.30 p.m. this afternoon, U.S. Central Time, the judge will bring down the gavel and calling the proceedings to order. Before the judge on either side will be a host of submarine-looking well-dressed lawyers and accountants representing the two sides of the, this dispute, representatives for Daibo Nick Dorse Holdings, a U.S. corporation, will be on one side, while the other side will be the Daibo's creditors. What brings all these legal and accounting professionals together is a small matter of nearly 1.5 billion funds that Diebold owes to various creditors and now apparently cannot pay. So, not only is majority of America in debt, these companies are in debt because they don't know how to work their money. You may be familiar with the Diebold name. They are one of the principal manufacturers of ATM machines and point-of-sale terminals. Those barcode readers seen in most grocery stores, most recently, Diebold has become notorious for making the most tallying equipment that created such controversy during the last presidential election. This this 164 your old company employs 23,000 workers in 100 in 130 com- countries worldwide and while the details of its core business are fascinating today we will focus on its finances because Diebold represents what is becoming a trend in our economy a trend towards bankruptcy in companies that cannot pay their bills that's crazy. So, the the companies that aren't paying their employees enough money for their bills are the same companies that can't pay their own bills. So far this year, more than 340 major corporations have declared bankruptcy. And six companies, including Diebold, owe creditors more than $1 billion. So the people that be aiming for me, I don't even owe this much, but you got these companies owing more than a billion? A billion? You gonna send them to jail? You you asking for my 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 little money? But they owing you a billion okay. 
In total, Diebold owes $1.47 billion to international creditors. In the United States, Diebold has moved to receive relief from interest owed to its bondholders from a bankruptcy court in Texas. Under the Chapter 11 of the Bankruptcy Law, today's court hearing in Ohio, where Diebold is headquarters, involves Dutch creditors and is filed under the Chapter 15 of the Code. There is little doubt that this will be one of the most complex feelings, filings in history involving multinational laws and creditors before we are through. The law reflects Diebold's global portfolio of businesses, but behind the legal complexity of just who owes whom, what and where, there lies some pretty straightforward economics. Simply put, Daibo can't pay its expenses. <laughs> you can't pay your expenses, Jerry? That's crazy. Well, let's get to the second one. Ray Epps will be criminally charged for J6 and blames Fox. Three years after the event, Ray Epps will be criminally charged by the DOJ. The fact was revealed in the complaint against Fox News. Finally, in May 23, the Department of Justice notified Epps that if that it would seek to charge him criminally for events on January 6, 2021, two and a half years later. The relentless attacks by Fox and Mr. Carlson and the resulting political pressure likely resulted in the criminal charges. The complaint reads, The complaint continues blaming Fox News for the criminal charges. It is difficult to believe that the Department of Justice would have pursued this matter if Fox had not focused its lies on Epps. Ultimately, the criminal charges conclusively demonstrates the falsehood of the story that Mr. Carlson and Fox told about Epps. That's bogus in the sense that Epps did more than many of the people already arrested. He did what he did. It still doesn't make sense that he wasn't arrested sooner. Epps was treated sympathetically by the media in the J6 witch hunt panel. He was the only J6 protester that the left in the J6 panel liked. That's crazy. Epps claims he was a loyal Fox reviewer and Trump supporter. He could be lying about that. It's crazy. It's crazy. And here goes another hit with politics. Carrie, worries about bombs going off hurting the climate. How does a bomb mess with the climate? Let's think about that. How does a bomb dropping mess up how the climate is? So, Special President Envoy for Climate, John Kerry, claimed on Monday that the war in Ukraine is exacerbating the problem of climate change. He said the bomb going off in the war between Ukraine and the Ru and Russia are causing climate problems. If you have bombs going off, you have damage to septic tanks or to power centers, etc., you have an enormous release of greenhouse gas, of methane, all of the family greenhouse gases, Kerry told MSNBC. And the result is it's adding to the problem. What about the people dying, John? Kerry added that he is not suggesting that the United States should not engage in the war in Ukraine as it is a fight we have to make. However, he said that there are ancillary impacts that result from the conflicts. Thousands are dying. Millions are dis displaced. 
and we are facing a potential third world war. And Kerry is talking about climate change. There is a war, there is a world war going on now, but it's not physically, it's spiritually. Keep that in your head. This is a man with mansions, a yacht, large vans, and, a, and he flies private. He explained in the past that he has to have a big carbon footprint to get his important work done. So, with all the horror and mayhem in Ukraine, Biden also says climate change is the most serious threat in the world, if we're honest. We must say Joe Biden is the most serious threat in the country, in the world. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but climate change is not the, the most serious threat in the world. We all know what the most serious threat in the world is. I don't got to bring it up. I ain't got to talk about it. So, that was episode four of the podcast. I'm your host, Keandre Walker. Have a good day. Peace. What's going on was good. Episode 5. What is going on in July? Why is all this happening in July? All these police doing these wrongful things. A family of, of an Orlando man shot by police while sitting in his car is seeking answers after viewing body cameras footage. There's this man was sitting in his car, minding his own business. The police just comes and shoots him. For what? For what? This was put on July 12th. Derek Diaz. No justice, no peace. I'm tired of seeing justice for this, justice for that. Like, what is it going to take to get the right family and loved ones of Derek Diaz, who was fatally shot last week by police in Orlando, Florida, says viewing officers' body-worn cameras footage of the encounter has only left them with more questions. Diaz was 26 was shot in the early morning hours of July 3rd after he was approached by several officers while sitting in a parked car. Quick question. This man is in a parked car. He's minding his own business. Why is the police coming up to his vehicle? If he's not causing a ruckus, He's not doing nothing. He's just minding his business in his vehicle. So, according to in the footage, an officer can be seen approaching Diaz from the driver's side of the car after briefly, after briefly speaking to Diaz, who appears to be complying. The officer opens the car door while telling Diaz to put his hands on the steering wheel Diaz then reaches his hand, right hand towards the vehicle center console before an officer fires what sounds like a single gunshot. So, this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to say. The officer opens the car door while telling Diaz to put his hands on the steering wheel. This is what I'm, I'm reading verbatim. He, the cop tells Diaz to put his hands towards the steering wheel. As he's about to do that, it's like the cop canceled out his thought of him saying, oh, I forgot, I, I told him to move. So he shot him. Are we serious right now? So you gave him a single gunshot. Less than a minute passes between the officer approaching Diaz and the shot being fired, the video shows officers rendered aid to Diaz until first responders arrived and transported him to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. So the police is the reason why Diaz is not alive. 
the same policeman who told him to put his hand on the steering wheel shot him. The footage was shown to Diaz's family before it released, but offered them little closure. A family attorney, Natalie Jackson, said they thought they might get answers, Jackson said. What we saw in the video left more questions than answers. Among those questions, he said, is why police initially approached Diaz. Jackson said the video shows Diaz sitting peacefully in a legally parked car when he was aggressively approached by three armed police officers. In less than one minute, he was shot. This man was sitting peaceful in a legally parked car. Three aggressive armed police officers, guns blazing. This is why you can't give guns to everybody. The same people holding these guns were the same people getting bullied in school. In a statement released with the body camera footage, police said Diaz tossed an object out the window after he was shot that was later identified as narcotics. So now, what's about to happen is, they're about to dismiss this because of the narcotics he threw out. It might have been marijuana, for all we know. Orlando Police Chief Eric D. Smith said in the, sta in the statement that officers proactively patrolled to remove illegal drugs and crime guns from Orlando streets. It didn't look like he it didn't look like Diaz had guns. The police did though. Um he added that the intersection near where Diaz was confronted had seen 431 incidents in the last 18 months. Now it's 432 incidents from what the police did. Jackson said Wednesday that Diaz was unarmed and there was not a gun in his vehicle. So, y'all shot this man. He complied to the police. Going to put his hand on the steering wheel as he was about to move his right hand. The cop got frisky. Guns blazing. Shot him automatically. Now, San, San Genova, the mother of Diaz's young daughter, said Wednesday that the video doesn't show Diaz committing any wrongdoings. All we know from that video is that he was sitting in his car, he was doing nothing wrong, and less than a minute, he was dead. Nava said while speaking to reporters, Smith said he and his department understand the need for answers. <laughs> Maintaining the integrity of the investigation process is also needed so that the facts are provided fairly and transparently. Why can't we just tell the truth? Why can't the police tell the truth? Why? Because the police don't want to lose their job. Because to tell you the truth, the police don't really get paid like that for real. <laughs> just to put that out there. An investigation also involves not only body-worn camera video of the incident, but also includes the collection of witness testimony. The police chief said the department was not released, has not released the names of the officers present during the shooting. The officer... <sighs> The officer who fired was uninjured and had been placed on administrative leave, he is said. So you're telling me the police who shot Derry Diaz dead gets administrative leave? So he gets paid while not working? And he's uninjured because no one shot at him. No one went at him. He told Diaz to put his hands on the steering wheel. Diaz was about to do that. Then he gets shot. Is this what they're trying to say? 
that the police department is cooperating with the Florida Florida Department of Law Enforcement investigation. Into the incident, Smith said, the department also said it will conduct its own internal investigation. You need to weed out the bad seeds in this department, in the police department. That's insane. Now, let's, let's talk about this. A man throws a TV, other items from a 21st floor of Vegas hotel. First of all, why are we throwing items out of, out of the hotel? Like, he might own that TV, but he don't own that window that that TV went through. The Las Vegas Metropolitan Police SWAT team were called to the scene. This man threw a TV out the window and got the SWAT team called on him. This man went from one star to five stars automatically. And... The police SWAT team were called to the scene after a man allegedly took a woman hostage in a Caesars Palace hotel room. This was a Caesar Palace? The man then broke a hotel window and threw objects onto the pool area below. Oh, this is that this is crazy. Why would you why would you do this? Why would you do this? I want to see this video real quick. Because why would you... Why would you do this? I'm trying, I'm trying to watch and see what happened. Like... Like, why would you get to... Why would you get to that part of your life? To have somebody at gunpoint. Got the, got the SWAT team on you. At that point, give it up. At that point, give it up. Okay. Alright, so... This man threw a TV. Uh, a picture. A photo. And you got people looking at the commotion going on was it a white man was... they just they just going crazy they going crazy they going crazy well let's get back to this next topic because Jonah Hill, what's going on, my boy? What's going on? All right, so Jonah Hill's misappropriation of popular therapy seek. So Jonah Hill has come under scrutiny for messages released by his former girlfriend. Oh, my God. So, we all met that guy. So, that guy will corner you in the pub for 40 minutes to whine about getting dumped, but failed to mention that his girlfriend pulled the ripcord because he cheated. That guy will go to counseling to work on his duplicity, du duplicity only to arrive at an impasse because he secretly recorded the sessions. That guy might go to therapy, but he'll treat it like a confessional, a place to document his misdeeds and interpret his therapist's silence as tacit forgiveness rather than space to reflect on what he's done. So Jonah Hill doesn't have accountability in how he might change. That guy is an elder millennial who got a lot of feelings and won't rest until he discovers the culprit. Jonah Hill is the culprit. So, Jonah Hill, the actor and producer famous for the movie Superbad, Knocked Up, The Wolf of Wall Street, and more recently, Stutz, a super intimate 
documentary named Force Hills therapist has come under fire over texts he allegedly sent his former girlfriend, Sarah Brady. In screenshots posted on her Instagram story, Brady shared conversations in which Hill seemingly pressured Brady, a semi-professional surfer, to remove bikini shots from her social media and told her, among other things, that if she surfed with men or had anything besides respectful coffees and lunches with female friends that he felt were appropriate, he wasn't the right partner for her. <laughs> this is crazy. And while boys and men are rightly being encouraged to get in touch with their feelings, and increasing numbers are seeking mental health support, their relative lack of a familiar script leaves enormous scope for misinterpretation in the wrong hands or mouths, words and intended for, to offer a framework for emotional development can be manipulated to reinforce suppressive patriarchal structure. So, this is, I don't like getting into the gossip because I'm, I'm just going to get out of that. I'm going to get out of that. So here is something else. A Russian general in Ukraine says he was fired after accusing defense minister of treachery. That's what you never do. You never do that. You never, you never accuse the people who are higher up because the people who are higher up than him are being told what to do other people who rule the United States. You, you, you run with me, you dig me, you dig me. So a senior Russian general in command of forces in occupied Southern Ukraine says he was suddenly dismissed from his post after accusing Moscow's defense ministry leadership of betraying his troops by not providing sufficient support. The reason why that defensive, that defense ministry leadership didn't do that was because the person above him, he going by his orders. It's just a, just a, a trickling line of orders that people got to follow. If they say, don't give them no support, don't give them no support. And the recording was posted on the messaging app by by Andrei Grulev, a member of the Russian parliament and former deputy commander of the Southern Military District. I also raised a number of other pro problems and expressed it at all at the highest level, frankly, and extremely harshly. Popov said in the audio message, I had no right to lie. Therefore, I outlined the problematic issues that exists in today in the army in terms of combat work and support. Hey, you gotta know this world is ran by a certain group of people. And the things you wanna address, they're not gonna address. That's all I'ma say. Peace.